HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If your food media diet is fueled by HRN, become a monthly donor today. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. We have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? What shape are you? Oh, I take lots of shapes. Flat, round, long, bumpy, frizzy. Huh, you sound a lot like my hair. What color are you? I can be white, purple, black, brown. Most often, people think of me as a shade of green. Hmm, and are you grown or made? I grow, and then I can be made into all sorts of different things. Got it. So are you farmed or do you grow wild? I'm mostly wild, but there are some people who you'll hear from later in the episode who've started farming me in recent years. Oh, hmm. I feel like so many things fit the description we have so far. Can you give me a hint? I grow in salt water. (gasps) Oh, that was a great clue. I think I've got it. Okay, One more question. Would I find you at the beach? Yep. I grow in the ocean and I often wash up on the shore. Your seaweed. Hannah, today's special guest is so awesome. Seaweed is very important to lots of ecosystems and we can eat it. I love seaweed. Listeners, I'm sure you've noticed that I like Japanese culture and cuisine, and that's where I first fell in love with seaweed on my plate. When you get maki at a Japanese restaurant, those are the rolls, the nori that surrounds it is made from a type of seaweed called laver that is ground up and made into those sheets and roasted. And then in miso soup, we often see kombu, which is a type of kelp. Kelp is a huge kind of seaweed that grows in giant flowing leaves. Later in the episode, we'll hear from our friend Susie, who's a kelp farmer in Connecticut. I love going to the beach and seeing all of the different types of seaweed that wash up. It's like a whole different ecosystem that we only get to see when it rises to the surface. I especially like those ones that have sort of big bubbles in them that you can pop 
when I was a kid, I liked to gather those and play with them. As far as eating seaweed, as a kid, I had these really yummy sort of spicy nori snacks that I would bring to school. And I'm learning how to cook with things like kelp. And I'm super excited to learn more about it. Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to look in the seaweed on the beach for critters, like crabs and shrimp. It was the like long flowing hair attached to the rocks, and it would lay down in these beautiful flowing layers when the tide went out. But it had these little bubbles of air trapped in it. So when the tide came in, the seaweed floated up and it got tall. Seaweeds are not plants, you might be surprised to learn. They are a type of algae. And they don't have roots, leaves, or stems to transport water or nutrients, like, say, a flower or a tree does. Each cell gets nutrients and minerals directly from the seawater around it. They are similar in that both seaweed and plants create energy through photosynthesis. That's converting the sun's rays into energy inside their cells. Oh, I wish I had photosynthesis. Then I could eat by just laying in the sun. Ugh, me too. Can I tell you a joke about pizza? Never mind, it's too cheesy. Now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so listen carefully. Where does Saccharina latissima grow? Keep an ear out for the answer. My name is Susie Flores, and I am a sugar kelp farmer, and my farm is called Stonington Kelp Company. Susie grows kelp in the waters off Stonington, Connecticut. Sugar kelp is a type of brown algae, so it's seaweed. It is one of 33, 36 different types of kelp that exist in the ocean. And the sugar kelp that I grow, uh, Saccharina latissima, in America, we find it around the Long Island Sound all the way up to uh, the coast of Maine, and it even goes into Canada, around Nova Scotia. Farming sugar kelp is amazingly simple. We have a plot that we um, use in the ocean, and we put tiny, tiny, tiny little sugar kelp plants that are already grown and attached to a rope. We kind of unfurl that rope out onto our farm. So it's like when you go and take a tomato plant that somebody already started for you and then you plant it in your garden, we're essentially doing the exact same thing but with seaweed and out and in the ocean and we're on a boat while we're doing it. They plant the kelp and then they let it hang out all winter in the ocean, growing and taking in nutrients and minerals. The sugar kelp is grows crazy fast. Uh, algae in general is one of the fastest growing organisms on the planet. And that's why it produces so much of the world's oxygen, because it's growing so quickly. So the I usually plant my sugar kelp around Thanksgiving out in the ocean. And it, at that stage, it's about one millimeter. Each blade is about one millimeter. And when I start harvesting um, in April and May, those same blades that just five short months ago where one millimeter are usually between 10 and 15 feet long. Kelp can be used in all kinds of foods. It can be used fresh or dried and adds a lot of nutrients to your food. When we go out and harvest, usually we're harvesting to bring um, fresh sugar kelp, so right out of the ocean, to restaurants or um, you know various different chefs who are cooking in cafeterias. A lot of uh, the school districts in our area are starting to use it in their cafeterias. I, I always like to say that if kelp were in 
a band, kelp would be the drummer. It's it really or the bassist. It's really holding. It it can play along with any song that the band wants to perform. Um, so when a chef is cooking with kelp, they can do a whole variety of different things. They can um, use it in soups, which I think people are really used to seeing seaweed kind of floating around in their miso soup. Um, but you can also cut it to look like a pasta noodle, and then you can use it like a pasta noodle, which is great. And it sauces really well. So you can put a, um, a red sauce on it. You can do like an olive oil and garlic sauce on it. You can do some sort of wacky, delicious salad dressing-y sort of uh, sesame ginger. Um, I like to add a uh, maple syrup dressing that I put on top of it and then we'll use it in that situation in a salad. Um, it can be cold, it can be warm, it can you can use it as a wrap around uh, different proteins that you're cooking, so fish or tofu or uh, any sort of meat and it gives a really awesome kind of umami savory flavor to whatever you're cooking. I love the idea that our food is like the members of a band. What a cool comparison. I think that everyone should give kelp a chance because it is one of the easiest ways that you can do a whole lot of good with a whole little bit of effort. And that is because kelp among, uh, you know, it, it is a wonderful source of nutritional value and, it, and it's really versatile and it's local and all of those really great things. And it's super fun to farm. Um, but it also absorbs carbon and nitrogen out of the ocean, which is a really great way to fight climate change by just eating a food. So, um, you know, if you're hesitant, just think about all the good you're doing for the planet, and then it makes every bite just a little bit better. I'm going to be adding delicious kelp to everything I'm cooking from now on. Thanks so much, Susie. That was super interesting. We're going to take a short break and be back with more fun facts about seaweed. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. You may have noticed that we have a whole new look. We also launched a new website that's going to make your listening easier and more enjoyable than ever before. HRN is the original food podcast network. And as we enter a new chapter in our 12-year history, I want to ask you to invest in HRN for the long haul. If you rely on this show to fuel your food media diet, become a monthly sustaining member today. Our members keep the voice of America's food movement alive and kicking. Your donations support this podcast along with 40 other shows on Heritage Radio Network. Your contribution helps give HRN the security we need to stay on the airwaves throughout the pandemic, and your continued support is allowing us to reopen our studio. Plus, we like to give our regular members special treatment. So sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our secret menu. We've gathered together exclusive discounts and offers from some of your favorite food and beverage brands. So you get to enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors and special deals will come your way throughout the summer. So can you make a gift of five or $10 a month? It'll show me and our whole team at HRN how much this podcast and food radio in general means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Welcome back. Did you know that about 70% of the world's oxygen comes from seaweed and algae? Ugh! 
make seaweed and algae. It's estimated that there are nine times more seaweeds by weight than there are plants on land. Oof. Wow. And the giant kelp, Macrocystis pyrifera, is one of the fastest growing organisms on Earth. It can grow three feet a day and can reach lengths over 150 feet. Wow. Seaweeds are the most nutritious foods that you can eat. Many compounds in seaweeds show up in all sorts of common products. You probably have seaweed all over your house and you don't even know it. Toothpaste, cleaning products, ice cream, chips, and other snacks all contain products made from seaweed. That is super cool. I'll have to check out the ingredients lists. And another super cool thing is that there are no poisonous seaweeds. All of them are edible. But... Some are more delicious and nutritious than others. Just a note on collecting seaweeds if you want to try to eat them. If you listen back to our foraging episode, you might remember that our friend Maureen Gordon told us to watch out for where you collect things to eat. You want to make sure that you're not near industry or runoff from cars and chemicals and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And seawater is sometimes a receptacle for lots and lots of yucky stuff. So make sure you know where it's coming from. Today's recipe is sort of like a science experiment. If you have the chance to get fresh kelp or other brown seaweed like bladder rack, you should totally try this. It looks amazing, and then you can eat the results. I think that if you're a first-time kelper, um, you have to try to blanch it. And it's it's uh, the easiest thing in the world to do. So what you want to do is you want to get your fresh kelp blade, and you want to get a little um, glass bowl of close to boiling water, not quite boiling water, and then have another little glass bowl with some ice water on the side. And you take your kelp, which is going to be a maybe like an amber olive color when you're pulling it right out of the ocean. And then as you dip it into the um, hot water, you'll notice that the kelp changes instantly from that uh, amber kind of olive color to the brightest green that you've ever seen. Um, and then uh, you dip the blade after it turns that bright green, you dip it into the ice water to stop it from cooking. And then at that point, you can cut it into uh, bite-sized pieces or noodle pieces and just throw it in whatever you're eating. I think the process of actually watching it turn color like that is um, uh, probably one of the coolest things. My kids get really excited every year when we do it. And if you can't get fresh kelp, dried kelp is available in Asian supermarkets and health food stores or at your grocery store. I like to soak dried kelp, called kombu in Japanese, in a jar of water overnight. And then you can eat the kelp, and the water is salty and delicious and tastes like the sea. And it makes a great start to any soups or stews you might be making. It's that time before we close up the episode where Harry and I share some bright spots from our week. I have a very bright spot coming up. 
um, next week, I am going to visit my two little brothers. They are eight and nine years old, so a similar age to a lot of our listeners, I'm sure. And I'm super excited to do some cooking and exploring and maybe some foraging with them next week. So I can't wait for that. It's super nice for an old lady like me to get to uh, hang out with some some fun young little brothers. That's awesome. Have a wonderful trip, Hannah. Thanks, Harry. For me, my bright spot is I wanted to tell everybody that I love libraries. And I worked on the script for this episode sitting outside my local library under a huge old maple tree. Libraries provide so much more than just books. They usually have free Wi-Fi, they provide information and research support, and in this case, I got to be near a big, neat old tree and get some shade on a nice summer's day. Oh, libraries are the best. The best place to hang out, the best place to find a new book. I love it. I love it. At the beginning of the episode, we asked, where does Saccharina latissima grow? And the answer is... Saccharina latissima In America, we find it around the Long Island Sound all the way up to uh, the coast of Maine. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch. We'll be back next week with more tasty stories. This show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden with engineering by Liam Werner. Music in this episode was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our Fun Facts theme was created by our very own Liam Werner. Special thanks this week to Susie Flores of Stonington Kelp Company. Check them out online at stoningtonkelpco.com. Big thank you to Eric for the joke. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and check out our new HRN website and become a member and support this show and the other great podcasts we produce here at Heritage Radio. Time for Lunch is also a part of Kids Listen the number one app for finding great podcasts for kids of all ages. You can learn more at kidslisten.org and you can download the app from iTunes or the Google Play Store. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And please stay in touch with us. Whether you have a joke you'd like to share or you'd just like to tell us what you had for lunch, we'd love to hear from our listeners. So send us your recipes, poems, or book or podcast recommendations or anything else you might like. It's super easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone. You can ask your favorite grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, age, and address so we can send you something in return. And just like Harry mentioned, we are asking our listeners who are able and their favorite grown-ups to become members of Heritage Radio Network, which is the amazing food podcast network that makes this show possible. You can select time for lunch when you make your donation. So say you want to donate $5 a month to time for lunch. We'll get to see that and we'll be sure to send you an extra special thank you and gift directly from Harry and myself. Time for Lunch is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. Thanks so much for listening.